and welcome to Challenges That Change Us, the podcast where we talk to our guests about how their challenges have impacted them today and how they overcame them. Whether you are someone that feels like you are thriving right now, trudging through the mud or somewhere in between, this podcast is designed to give you practical advice, profound insight into your own experience and inspire you to embrace your life. My name is Ali Flynn, the co-founder and CEO of Tri Altitude Performance, and I will be your host. It's time to buckle up your seatbelts and let's get this ball rolling. Hey, hey, legends. How are you all tracking this week? It might sound a little bit different because I'm actually on the road. I'm heading over to Port to do a disc profiling workshop and to see one of my beautiful friends, Jess, who you're all familiar with. She's been on the pod a couple of times, so super exciting week ahead. But we've had also had, interestingly, a massive spike in our downloads midweek. So there must be a group of you that have shared this podcast with your friends and family. So thank you so much. I love that you find so much value in this podcast that you want to share it with your loved ones. Now, today I want to introduce you to Shilpa Kilsrath. In 2018, Shilpa was leading the rollout of a new target operating model in Westpac, leading five partner companies. When her manager called her into a meeting one day throughout the rollout and said, the new op model is rolling out today. Yes, Shilpa said laughing, thinking that her manager was practicing the new scripts for her announcements on her. She continued, as a result of that, your position has become redundant. Shilpa nearly fell off her chair. It was in that moment that she realized she had gone from a high achiever, living the successful life that she thought she needed to, and slipped into mediocrity. That wasn't the end of her story. You will hear today what Shilpa did next and how she ended up with only $5.63 to her name with incoming bills that she could not pay. She is now a multi-award game-changing coach, three times TEDx speaker, Stevie Gold Coach of the Year, best-selling author featured in Forbes, Outlook, Top 100 Global Podcast, and so much more. Hold on, guys. Let me introduce you to this superwoman herself, Shilpa. Welcome, Shilpa, to Challenges That Change Us. Thank you so much for coming on today and spending this time with us and my beautiful listeners out there. It's my absolute pleasure, Ali. It is, I mean, it's a privilege. Thank you for the invite. And Shilpa, I love to start every episode so that the audience can just to get to know you a little bit and so that we can kind of get to know each other as well, is if you were to use an animal to describe you, what animal would that be? And what is it about that animal? Animal, the first animal that I can relate to is a tigress, a calm tigress, if I'm allowed to say that. So, uh, and the reason why I relate to a tigress so much is because of the focus, the speed, and more important than anything else, the grace with which, you know, she carries herself. So I've got a tigress tattoo here. I don't know if the audience can see, but I've got a tigress tattoo because I can relate to her so much. How long have you had that tattoo for? For two years now. Ah, recent. Yes, yes. And would you have described yourself as a tigress your whole life or is this something that's kind of developed in the last, you know, five, ten years? Absolutely. It has developed in the last three to four years. Before that, I didn't even think about who I was. I would call myself a goat because that's how my personality was. 
But then I realized that it is so much fun to be a tigress. And that too, in my own style, I don't need to be ferocious. I can carry myself with grace. I can be calm and composed and still get all the things done. And that's where I started relating a lot. On my birthday, two years back, my children said, Mom, you you are such a tigress. Why don't you get this tattoo? And then we were in India and we got it done. It was your children's idea. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. How old are your kids? Uh, 18 and 21. Just out of curiosity, did they get one with you? They got five, six each. <laughs> no wonder they're telling you to get one. Come on, mom, jump on board. You're a bit behind. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And that makes me a cool mom from their side. You know, mom is doing something that she never thought she would do. But yeah, because it's my own identity, I love carrying it now. And Shilpa, we've got a bit of a big conversation to have today. I was wondering, you know, maybe the place to start would just just be to take us all the way back to the beginning, you know, maybe perhaps even back to when you were a little girl. So I'll take you back 46 years back, telling my age publicly, but let's go 46 years back. So I was born in this small town of India called Dehradun, which is hills, mountains. You know, people are known for their simplicity, their sun, clear skies, just like we have in Australia. A girl who was born to a college professor and a school principal. So my dad was a professor, mom worked in school. And there was a huge emphasis on education in the family. You know, study, study. There was a lot of discipline, I remember we'll get up at six o'clock in the morning and we'll keep on studying till 11.45, you know, 11.45. It's not 12, it's not 11, it's 11.45. This was the discipline. Assumption was that it takes 15 minutes to get into a sleep and we have six hours of sleep. So this was the detail of discipline in the house. And I took it a little too literally. I um, went on to become a school topper, national level ranker was known as the blue-eyed girl there in Dehradun, you know. I wrapped myself in a lot of degrees. I thought this is the way to succeed in life. So I did my CA, my CPA, double graduation, double post-graduation. I did law, I did MBA, and I thought, let's do it. Life, let's, uh, let's get on with it. Only to realize that it was, you know, it was an illusion that education is the way. So my first job, which I got into, which was a startup, it was really well because of the attitude that education builds up over the years. You know, that sincerity, the dedication, discipline, that was always there. But I feel somewhere my personality was lost in that good girl syndrome. You know, I was always a good girl. I was supposed to do things. And I kept on doing because I was supposed to rather than whether I wanted to or not. And I didn't realize when it started coming in my own way, would have never realized it until 2018 when the company that I was working with for after 16 years of my career, Westpac, came and said, Shilpa, you know what? Enough of you. We don't need you any longer. And that was the time, Ellie, when this goat who was there, she started having a problem with her identity and she started questioning herself. What am I doing? Where am I where am I going actually? I'm so busy in things day to day, doing my job, project after project, company after company. I've never ever taken a break in life. What what has happened to me? I wasn't like that. And then I realized I had few years back from then, I'd started wrapping myself in something which I call mediocrity. So that became 
you know, my form in front of the world. That was how I was operating, a plain mediocre who was just doing what was what the society expected, what the managers expected, but her heart was not in that. And that's why she was feeling lost, just that she kept brushing the feeling under the carpet over the years. So that was the wake-up call. And that was somewhere in those moments and, and in that journey of bringing myself in alignment this tigress was born. You know, you're describing this high achiever's life, right? Like it's like you, you just went from one thing to another and absolutely nailed it, you know, like from school to study to postgraduates into your career and just climbing up the ladder. Was that the first time when you said that they came and said that you weren't needed anymore? Was that the first time that someone had said something like that to you? Yeah. And, and just to let you know, yes, I started off as a high achiever, but somewhere in the journey, I dropped down from there, just that I didn't realize it. So they were not wrong. They were absolutely right because somebody had to say to my face, I was in an illusion that I was still that school topper, national level ranker, the one with these amazing degrees, the one who got outstanding ratings. But the truth was something else. So these people just came and told me the truth, which um, I had not been seeing. And this was the first time when I felt that rejection, because always people had said, you know, Shilpa, you're amazing. You are the one who will do it. You know, all the good words. So I had been surrounded by those people. And first time when I heard that, it was like a tight slap in my face. What am I doing? Where did I lose myself? Where did I slip? What happened to me? Because I was not like that ever. Hmm. I'm just wondering after that, like after you received that news, what were those next couple of days like? The next couple of days, I had a choice either to take that big chunk of money that Westpac gave me. I had worked with that company for nine years and just go and join another company. Very usual thing, you know, people are let go, people are made redundant, there are layoffs and all those things. Very simple thing. It could have been just like that. And I'm so glad it didn't happen that way because I took that moment to say, I need to understand what is going on inside me. I need to understand why I'm not feeling proud. And I need to understand why I'm feeling so weak in my knees. I need to understand why I'm feeling small every time I enter that 32-floor building of Westpac. Why, why is that feeling? Why I'm not having fun in life? And I took that time off. I started traveling around the world. I started learning from the best coaches and discover my missing pieces, basically. And when I started putting them one by one together, I started constructing a Shilpa that I started falling in love with again. So those were the moments, like it, like I'm summing it up as a very beautiful experience, but it wasn't at that time. It was a <laughs> lot of, you know, I hid it from the family, didn't, didn't have the face to tell the family that this has happened, told them that I'm leaving my job because I want a break and all those kind of things. Couldn't tell it to anybody. I was keeping this face in the society with my friends. But inside, there was a war that was happening. You know, I was fighting a war. I was fighting myself. I was fighting all my mediocrity. And in that process somewhere, I murdered that forever. And I know that my life today is pursuit of personal excellence. When I stay on that path, I continue to be a tigress and I continue to give my best to the people around me. So 
the journey that started in those months, you know, six months or, you know, I would say even more than that, because the journey never finishes, you just discover more and more of yourself. That actually became a pivot in my life. And just before we move on from that, Shilpa, I'm curious as to, you said you weren't feeling proud, that you felt weak at the knees, that you weren't sure why you were feeling small when you walked into the bank. Were you aware of that at the time or is that on reflection now that you've done the work? I would say I was kind of aware. We know when we are not doing well, just that we don't admit it. And it's a very difficult thing because what I'm talking about is not a big failure. I'm talking about mediocrity. And mediocrity is a beast. It will not be a short stop for a stopper for you, but it will hollow your roots over the years. So that was what was happening. And I could feel that my power is going. This this face that I was keeping in the meetings, I I felt worthless. I felt that I wasn't contributing enough. And that feeling was there, just that I didn't know how to navigate. I didn't know there was help available. I didn't even know whether this is valid or I am overthinking, you know, because I was getting that paycheck. And I and right now when I'm talking to you, I just went into that moment and I feel feel like crying because I didn't even know if there was something to be done about it. You know, it was such so many mixed feelings. You go and you feel that you don't have voice in the meetings. You don't contribute that much. You're looking for opportunity to contribute and you're not able to figure that out. And you're fighting with it alone in your system. And the mediocrity is, you know, it's just making its place stronger and stronger. And you have no clue what is happening. You come back home. You have family. My family was very, pretty much sorted out. Uh, my two girls, my husband, very supportive. So you come back in your safe heaven and everything is fine. And then you go back again tomorrow. You fight all that and then you again come back. So you are confused whether my life is good or bad. But now as I look back, because I've lived through the pain of it, I know it was a average life or maybe below average, if I can say. Mm. And someone from the outside looking in would probably say the opposite right back then. They would have been like, look at your amazing life. Like, look at all these things you're doing. And that's where we just, you can't compare. You can't compare because what we can hear was what was happening internally. I think you used the word internal system. So like inside your mind and inside your body was, it sounds like it didn't even feel like home. Absolutely. And and that's the struggle, Ellie, that I feel that people are, People think so highly about you because somewhere you're carrying the history of who you were. You know you're not there. You 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 get hints. You have got these early morning thoughts when you get up in the middle of the night when the everything is quiet, when people are sleeping, you know, and you find this inside you shrieking that who are you? What are you actually doing in life? So those questions were there always. Just that I had tuned myself to ignore those questions and just go on because as I said there was no I had a position I had a designation I was working for uh, the one of the top banks I had a good paycheck coming in husband was settled children were doing well so if you know selective school in opportunity class selective school which is where the top children go who are really good in studies they were going to all those things so in a way I was successful But inside me, I wasn't. And when you reflect back now, would you change it? Or is it just that's how you're looking back on it and realizing that that was the moment for you to move on from that chapter? 
I wouldn't change even a single thing of what happened in my life because that is what makes me me today. I had to go through that ordeal. I had to go through that chaos to be where I am. Now, I could have realized it two years earlier than when I did, but it really doesn't matter. When you look back at life, whether it took three years, five years, it doesn't really matter as long as I'm out of it. So I wouldn't change anything, Ali, because every single moment when I fell low and every single moment when I took an action, when there was total chaos, when there was no clarity, and that made me feel little powerful and a little more powerful. Every time I leverage the help of people, my coaches, to dig out one more uh, diamond inside me, it, it was a beautiful process. I wouldn't be enjoying it so much if I had not gone through that pain. So I would say sometimes pain is, you know, it is necessary to get to where you are. It is inevitable. Everybody has to go through it in some shape or form. The flavor might be different. It wasn't much longer after that that another huge challenge entered your world, was it? Yes, absolutely. There comes a point in life where we decide that this will be no more. No more mediocrity. I'm going to murder it. But what next? That's a question which somebody like me would encounter when their whole life has been based on other people's expectation or what what life threw at them. So that was the next question. And somewhere in those moments, I realized that what is the best that I have got? The best that I have got is I've gone through this pain and I've found myself and I'm doing great. If I can give the same thing to the people who are currently trapped in that mediocrity, it would be amazing. So that started my journey as a coach where I started with a cousin and then a friend, helped them through their goals. And I actually felt awesome because in just two months, both these people, they created amazing results. So there was a lot of resolve there that I'll be a coach. And that led me to another challenge where I knew nothing about sales. You know, it was about delivery. I was pretty good, very dedicated, very committed. So results were not a problem. Problem was how do I market myself? How do I go and tell people, you know, I'm here to serve you. Give me money for that. You know, asking money was a big thing for me. That led us to a point just to uh, tell our audience that my husband had also joined in as a coach a few months before I did. Like we, we both started working together. Somehow it came together all. It led us to a place where we were literally making peanuts, both of us out of job making peanuts on this journey of passion where we wanted to make a difference and our expenses being three times of what we were earning. And this was at a time when our elder daughter, she Sanya was in year 12, she was giving her HSC. So it was the time when the child needs the most of their parents and an environment which is conducive to their education and all. And at that time, we are both starting this journey of passion, struggling. We don't have money to pay her coaching. For her coaching, she was pretty good in English. And I remember in those days, it costed $120 an hour, the, the tutor that we kept. It was a challenge to pay that. It was a challenge to buy a food $10 in the food court when our daughters will go out. It led to that level where all our savings were depleted and something more unfortunate happened, which meant that we were left with just $563 in the bank with big bills scaring in our face, not knowing how to navigate through this situation because we both had literally no income coming in. At that time, people 
especially our friends, our family, they said, go back to job. What is this that you are doing? What is all that drama about? They would call it drama. They would call, I don't know what you guys are doing. So there were a lot of advices coming in from our loved ones. But beneath it all, we decided that we are not going back. We'll do whatever it takes. So there were three things that we did, Ellie, in that situation. One is we called the bank and we took a hardship allowance. Hardship allowances when they stop your mortgage for a few months. And that was really helpful because it meant that a huge got off your head for a few months, which is great. You know, you were free for a few months to further explore. The second thing is we took a big chunk of money as loan from a friend here in Sydney, which is amazing again because people trusted us with our capability. So crazy amount of loan which we took. And what we did with that was invested in ourselves. Because we knew we had these big dreams, but we weren't capable enough to reach those dreams yet. We had to do a lot of work. And it will not be possible if we just keep fighting. We have to fight gracefully. And that's where grace was born into our life, that we need to constantly work on ourselves so that we continue this pursuit of personal excellence as we provide it to others. So... With that, we got the coaches. And the third thing, when it was really difficult, I'm talking about $10 and it seems so small in today. But one day we built a wall. So this wall, which is behind me, this was one day we got up and he said, our living room is too big. Let us divide it into two parts. So that day with our own hands, we created this wall behind us. And this portion where I'm sitting today, we gave this on Airbnb. And that fed us grocery for a few months until... You know, obviously, there was a, it was a very different story financially after, after that. You know, it, it just kept growing. But this almost a year of going through this financial difficulties, being broke, uh, not having money just for the basic thing, shying away from friends, it was really difficult. And just to let you know, this was at the time when our bestseller was being released in the market, you know. So the book was out there. Within a few hours, it went out of stock. It became a bestseller. And at home, we were broke. We had no money. You know, we didn't even do any launch or anything because we didn't have the resources. So the reason why I'm sharing this early is most of the time, we go till a certain point in life. We continue to fight it. And a point comes when, he said, when we say no more. We can't do it anymore. But what I realized when I look back in life is we just have to go a little bit more. It is just a little bit more. If you just go full on, just a few more steps, that's where you get into a place where everything starts flowing. Most of us stop a few more steps when it is super difficult, when the world is against you, when, you know, all these external factors in terms of finances, market, economy, bills, everything is against you. But if you go a little bit more, you get there. That's, you know, Shilpa, that's really huge what you were just saying. And I think the the really powerful thing in that is when you mentioned that at home you were broke, but you had this bestseller book on the shelves. And that's another example of what we spoke about earlier in this conversation, that when we look at someone else's life, we see something shiny, but we don't actually know what's going on behind closed doors or internally within their soul. You're so right, because it looks like a well-designed life. People come and say today, oh, Shilpa, you've done amazing. Yesterday only I met somebody who was saying that. And I always feel that it looks like a well-designed life. But honestly, it is putting one brick over a brick. 
And I didn't even know about the second break while I was putting one, you know. So just focus on the break which is in front of you. You put that and then the next break will come and the next will come. And you won't even realize when the whole wall gets built. So it looks like a well-designed life, but it was one thing at a time. Focus. Focus on one thing, one action, one small thing that can open a door which didn't exist. And that opened up another door and then another door. And this wall got built. What were some of those hard days like? What did that look like for you? What were the things that you were telling yourself inside your head? I was quite confused in those days, I would say. So um, just to give you an example, we would be working long hours, me and my husband. And my focus was on doing things which are not even necessary. So I was building websites, you know, uh, changing the look and feel. I was doing, I was building courses and all those things. That was not even a time, even till date, when, uh, you know, a business of $2 million, I don't have a website. LinkedIn is my website. Social media is my website, but was focusing on things which were not required. And then I realized that remove all this fluff from whatever we are doing and just come to the basics, come to the foundation. What is the, what is the thing that is required and what is required is results. If we can create results for our clients, no matter what it takes for us, that's it. And I'm very proud to say that in this journey, you know, I do and I'm not saying it as a as an ego or something, but the way I create results for my client, I think the level of commitment which is there and the availability with which, you know, I don't play a number game that I have 100,000 people on my program. No, I choose my tribe. People who are has, as hungry as I am, they come. And with the commitment and the dedication and the sincerity and the experience that I'm carrying, the results get created. You know, it's not that big of a task. And I'm and I love the process because I'm not fighting against something, I'm flowing with it. And the feeling is great. Is this the first time in your life you'd be able to say that, that you're not fighting against something, you're flowing with it? I wouldn't say it is the first time, but over the last three months, I have realized that this is the state in which I want to be. I don't want to fight. I want to be in a position where life is not flowing me in a direction that I don't want to go. I need to have the control to change the sail, change the direction if I need to, and then flow with it. It need not be a constant fight because then it's not fun. And, you know, uh, it's not a good feeling. It's not fulfilling. It has to flow gracefully. How did you actually do it, you know, understand completely that step-by-step process. That's something I talk about a lot and it's something that I live by. You know, I'll just do one thing, mate, if you forget everything and pick one and just do that and then just choose one more thing that's going to get you one step closer. But for you, what did that how look like? If I go to the start of the how, when did it all start changing? It was the shift in the belief system and it sounds so small but that was the beginning you know in my own belief because the Shilpa who was hiding in the floors of Deloitte or Tech Mahindra, Westpac, whatever companies I work for, she just believed that she could do this transactional stuff but when the Shilpa stood there she knew she can create the impact that she I mean, she's not just dreaming. She can create that impact. She's got it inside her. And because she's felt it, the pain, she can lead people out of that pain 
hold their hand and get them where they would like to be. So first point was the belief. The second thing was belief is great, but you need to really go in and look at what is it that you are doing in your day. Because it is possible, like I said, was wasting a lot of time on things that were not even required. So just engineer into your day and see what is it that you are spending time on. So every single pattern that I was living, every single habit, I just went with a microscope and looked at, is this helping me or is it coming in the way of my progress? So looking at that with a microscope and shifting things, adjusting creating a vacuum by letting go of certain patterns, bringing in new patterns. That is what I say, bringing myself in alignment, you know. And then it was about going out in the world. And I think that was a big thing because most of us, we sit there with the dreams, even when we have the belief because we are scared of going out. So I decided that I'll put myself out there. So you've seen how much out there I'm on LinkedIn. And this is this wasn't natural for me. So I am a shy introvert who always love to stay hidden, you know, inside the walls where people cannot see me. This was my natural inclination. And I said, okay, I'm an introvert, but I, I believe that this is my strength because I can listen. I can connect with the people and let me go out and be there and let, let people think whatever they are thinking. Let them judge me. I think this was, this was a big battle that I fought being out there where I allowed people to judge me and irrespective of that I said okay I will make this world as my holy ground I'll be out there and I'll be doing things and those people with whom it aligns they'll automatically come and find me and this was a turning point because I refused to hide and it started creating very different relationships very different connections in fact 95% of the clients that I have, they come from social, they have come from social media. I mean, from LinkedIn and now from Facebook as well, because it grows. But um, I found that employees I found from there, you know, people have come and we've developed connections. So it was a great thing where I let go of that judgment and I started operating in the open space. That was another thing. And then uh, it was about also the clarity of direction. And again, this is a big one. Because I realized focus is very important. When I look in the in the local market, and I work with people across 16 countries, but when I look, if I if I say Sydney only, I see people being present in all the places at all the time. They feel that it is a mandate. And I realize that this is not what I want to do. I want to have a focus. And I want to I want to do things with the end in mind. So I don't need to be everywhere. I just decide the places that I need to be. I choose. And I think that that way I was able to conserve my energy to spend it on the things which really mattered. So whether it was creating results for the clients, whether taking myself up financially, whether spending time with my family to take them along with it, because I had decided on day one that I'm not going to do this alone. I'll take my whole family with me. This was a non-negotiable for me. So it helped me keep my focus on the things which really matter. And as a result of it all, I feel that today, today I'm living a life of fulfillment. I go to sleep and I have the best sleep ever. And I think that matters. That shows the days that you are living. So few steps, I hope it clarifies, but 
these are the few things that I worked on to start with. And then it comes to the tools and the tactics and obviously not to underestimate the coaches that I leveraged, which was awesome. Also, one more thing I realized was what kind of coach do I need at various points in my life? So at a point, I needed a personal coach, then I need a business coach, then I need a voice coach, you know, different kinds of coaches. And that worked really well. Understanding what I need in my life plus in my business at this point of time, because there might be thousand things out there in the world, but do I need them at this point? Making that decision, I'm at this stage in my life and I think I need that. And then just going and getting that thing. That really helped. And I've noticed not once, not once was one of the things that you chose along that journey, trying to grab the quick results. You know, everything you talk about there is work and dedication and being courageous enough to step into that space. And you wouldn't have known how long it's going to take. Like, let's just go back to step one. Step one was shift your belief system. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. So can we just explore that a little bit? When you talk about that, what kind of beliefs were you holding on to that needed to be shifted or that you found once you shifted them and opened your world up? A lot of beliefs. So if I go back and see what was limiting me, one constant that kept whispering in my ears was, I'm not good enough, or I don't know enough. And this was literally what came in the way of me speaking up in meetings, because I felt that what if I say something, what if I utter something which is wrong, which is not what what is the base of the discussion. So I was constantly underestimating myself. I was second guessing myself. I had this self-doubt and which was putting me. The second belief belief that came in my way was my introversion. I'm an introvert, so I'm not a people person. You know, so so that was also which was keeping me in the backseat, the last in the queue with the things that nobody else in the team wanted to do, but it would came to me, it would come to me and I would just do it because I couldn't say no. A shy introvert, not a people person, don't have a voice, you know, I'm not good enough, I have probably become rusty, all those kind of things. You know, if I write down, there would be a list of it. And I am glad that you asked because today I'm going to do that exercise. What were my beliefs before I started? You know, I worked on them, but I need to get them in front of me and see what what empowering beliefs did I, did I replace them with. But when I shifted my belief system, I think it was not, as you correctly said, it was not a short-term process. It There were a lot of moments that went into it. And if I go back, right now, I'm remembering a moment when there was, we had no money, literally. And an opportunity came. And I, okay, before I go there, I'll tell something which I don't think I've ever said. I've never, ever said this, but let me say, when I was helping people, with getting the jobs because I work with people in their mid-career, you know, helping them take their life to the next level, their career to the next level. So I was helping people with the jobs and they didn't know that at the same time, I was applying for those jobs as well because I had no money. I mean, whether it was same jobs or other jobs, I don't know, but I was helping them get ready for the jobs which I was also seeking. And I always worried, I would go to the interview and I would always worry what if I find my client here? You know, it's a very odd situation and I've never been able to speak about it. And I think first one, you're the first one to whom I'm telling it, but these were the initial days because somewhere in my mind, it was like, you know, it's okay if I get a job for 
three months. Three months would be enough for us to get some resources to keep moving. And in those three months, what I will do is I will probably write. I'll probably pave way for a book or something. How you keep doubting yourself and you try to do things which you don't want to. But when I actually got a job, and I think this was a defining moment, this is where the belief got established when I actually got a job. And this was again with Westpac through a third company. I remember the moment where I was sitting in my backyard and this phone call comes. I get the job. And in the job, they were paying me $1,200 a day, which was a big thing in those days. Very big thing for us. And in that moment, I kept sitting there in the backyard after uh, the call came. And my husband came in and I just looked at him with teary eyes and I said, you know what, I don't want to do this. This is not my thing. I think I'm made for something very different. I think in that moment, probably a part of that belief was born. And I don't know how many fragmented sections can be put together, but it was definitely not a one day journey. Many things that happened when the first client caught the result, when we did a little bit of chicken dance, understanding that we are capable of that. When I got somebody a job with, you know, 100% increase in the salary from what they were making, I was like, I could do this, you know? So the belief kept getting formed and that belief or the experience goes now in the in the results that my clients create. It was a journey. There's no shortcut to it, but there's definitely a speed lane where you constantly expose yourself to these situations where you are putting yourself on a challenge and you are enjoying the process and then it happens and then it happens. And maybe when I'm saying it happens and then it happens, there are three times when it doesn't happen. But this and this goes on to stamp the belief in your head. And do you still find that that little limiting belief of I'm not good enough comes knocking? I've never experienced it in the last four years. No. That's very powerful for our for our listeners to hear that you can get to a place that for you, and it, it may come back up, you know, it may pop its head up in the future, but you've just gone four years without that knocking on your door. Yes. And I believe that that is a great thing. One more learning that I've got in these journey of four years is, look, everybody's personality is different. I'm an introvert. I realized probably using big words and be very good in speaking. I'm not that kind. I'm somebody who speaks from the heart. When I went on TEDx, and I went on TEDx not once, not twice, but three times. Every time I went there fumbling for words, and it's fine. It's fine because nobody expects me to be the best speaker in the world. That's not who I am, but I'm somebody who speaks from the heart and that is my connection point. So that's a strength that I have. It's not a limitation. So I think I have started focusing more on my strengths than what I don't have. And that's why my head is more clear. And I keep honing those strengths because that has become my strategy to cut through this world. A lot of time earlier, I would spend time thinking about what is it that I don't have and that has taken a total shift now. Do you know the analogy I'm thinking of? When you were describing everything that you just spoke about in those last sort of 10 minutes, I was thinking of the words, you know, we cheat ourselves 
and sometimes we don't even notice. And what I was thinking about was if you're training for a netball game or a football game and you're running between a third and you're supposed to run to the inner line, touch, turn around, run back, touch, run to the inner line, touch, turn around, come back, touch. Now, if you get to the inner line, you think, I'm not going to touch. It's just a bit too far down. I'm going to turn around and run back. And then the next time you're like, oh, I'm not even going to bend over. I'm just going to flip around. And then the next time you're like, I'll just go two, two steps shorter than the line and come back. Now, you put yourself next to the person next to you that's giving that 110, that's touching the line, no matter if it's hard, no matter if they're sore, no matter if they're fatigued, they're going to get further than what you will every time you shortcut yourself, every time you cheat yourself in that space. That's a physiological example, but the same thing can happen in our brains. We start to shortcut things. We start to cheat ourselves. We start to say, oh, that doesn't matter, even though we know it does matter, but we're just going to listen to that little voice inside our head that's like, you'll be fine. Just start tomorrow. Just start next week, you know, instead of just really standing there and saying, what would it take for me to go that one bit further or touch the line instead of just standing and turning that one step too early? I love this, what you talked about. And I don't know how you read my brain, Ellie. This is exactly what I do. I have learned not to take shortcuts in life. So what you're saying, not a game, but I go walking. I take different paths because I love variety around my house. And there are times when let's say I go to the end of a lane. I just never take a turn until I've finished. And there are literally poles that which I love to touch because I've learned that I just don't take a turn right from near the pole. I need to touch it because that's where I have done it. And it's not that I'm doing it mechanically. I'm not taking off anything, but I know that's the extent to which I have to go. And then when I come back, then I have to go all the way to the end of the place, maybe touch some tree or whatever, but it's all the way. I have to go all the way. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. And as I say that, I, I loved it when you said that example. And I was like, this is what I do when I do my day-to-day thing. You did it with your mindset. That's what I heard. You did it with your limiting beliefs. You did it with, well, you know what? This isn't where I want to be. So who and what can I get around me? And how can I take these steps? And I'm going to go the extra mile. When there's only $10 in the bank, I'm not stopping until it's zero. I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep doing something. Yes. Yes. And, and what I learned is that life is not something you push something and the light goes on. It's not like that. You have to push something. You have to pull something. You have to do a lot of things before that bulb gets on. A lot of us look for short term things. We want to get that promotion. We want our salaries. We know we are operating at a salary which is 50% less than what we should be having. And we want it to be there because we know we are worth it. And we want just to push a button and make that happen. But it is a series of a lot of things which go in the way of building you as a person who's capable of getting that 50% increase, 100% increase, or even 180% increase. People have got it all the time, but you need to really build your muscles. There's no shortcut to it. Like, I mean, you've talked about the coaches and we could do a whole episode on how to find a coach, what has each coach taught you. Like, I think you talked about a business coach, a personal coach, a voice coach. I love that because, you know, if we're athletes, we would never go and train without a coach. People would just like, their jaws would drop if you said, oh, I'm running in the Olympics, but I don't have a coach. I mean, it just doesn't make sense, but we don't look and lean on coaches in our personal life or our business life or our learning our voice, like so many different avenues that someone else that has walked the mile, that has other expertise that you don't know yet, that you haven't explored yet, 
that you haven't unpacked yet. Join up, marry up, learn from that person, and then they'll float in and out of your life. You'll have someone else that you tap into. Anyway, that's getting off track. We could do a whole episode on that. What I was wondering, though, with all of that experience of coaches and all of that experience of really pulling yourself up and out of some of the moments that it would have been easier just to give up. It would have been easier just to lie flat on your back and be like, I'm done. I'm just going to go get a paycheck. You know, you were highly employable. So it would have been a lot easier. And I'm sure there were some listeners thinking, how did you not? (laughs) But what's a strategy or a tool that you've picked up along the way? It doesn't have to be the, you know, the most fabulous one that you've ever found, but what's something that you're like, no, I use this tool every day in my life? I'll give you something which I have been using for the last four years. Not even a day has passed when I haven't used it. And it's very simple, actionable. People can just go and implement because I don't want to come up with a lot of things where people have to figure out what is that little thing that we implement. So intentional days is what has worked really well for me, living intentional days. And how do I do that? In the morning, when I get up, even before I open my eyes, I set up a small intention for that day. So for today, like when I got up, I have to give this talk on Saturday. I just got up. Just before I opened my eyes, I decided that today I will prepare the first draft of that talk. You know, I'll I'll structure it. That was the intention I got with. Now, there are so many more things that I'll do during the day. But if at the end of the day, I can get that structure out, I can get the first draft out, my day is done. I live it intentionally. So if you can set up an intention for the day, not a to-do list, not two, three things, but just one intention, it might be the draft presentation that you have to give two weeks from now, or it might be getting inputs of the people, whoever's feedback needs to go into that presentation, just that intention, or it might be just reaching out to somebody that you need to, or it might be clearing an air off with a manager there's some uncomfortable air that is built up. Get up with an intention and get that intention knocked off by the end of the day. A small thing. Whatever feeds into getting that intention done, don't worry about it. Because if you're getting that done, you will do all the steps that is required to finally knock it off. I'm very proud to say that 95% of the time, I've met the intentions over the past four years. And it's a very useful strategy, very simple tool to use, which anybody can implement in their life. You know, I use the exact same strategy, Shilpa, every single morning. I have three things. One is what's something I'm proud of, just ideally from the day before or, or even in the last week, but I just I just acknowledge a win, just something, even if it's tiny. And then what do I want to achieve today? What's one thing, just, just one thing. And then the other one I have is what attitude do I want to show up with? Like I just have a little chat to myself. Alice, before you get out of bed, what attitude are you going to bring to the day? Because it's your choice. It's my choice. No one gets to choose that for me. I choose that myself. And it starts with that very first moment that I put my foot on the ground. How am I showing up for myself and others? But one thing I was thinking there, Shilpa, when you were talking about that intention for the day, can we just mention one more thing around that? This is for the listeners. If you're out there and you start with this and you're like, I'm going to set my intention and you find that you're not quite hitting the mark, that is okay. Like Shilpa, I think it'd be fair to say there were times when you first started this that you may have set an intention that may have been too big to bite as in there might have been things come up throughout the day that meant that you couldn't get it done. So if you're trying this strategy and you find that you're just not quite getting it, just strip it back a little bit. Like start smaller. Start so small 
that you're getting wins consistently and then just stretch it out a little bit and then a little bit more. But even really small is enough. So you said it doesn't have to be huge, but I wanted to say and how you identify if it's huge is that you're not getting it done because we often place these expectations on ourselves that we should do this. An intention for the day isn't I should get that done. An intention for the day is I am going to show up for myself and get this one thing done. It's slightly different in the language and in how we treat ourselves and the energy that we bring to that statement. Absolutely. And it should be actually really small to start with, I would say. It should be really small. It can be just five push-ups. And let's say you remember by the end of the day that I haven't done the five push-ups. Just do it before going to bed. And if you're not able to do it, we humans are very hard on ourselves. You know. We don't need to fall into that game of guilt and feeling really bad. It's okay. Forgive yourself. Just work on the intention for the next day. So there have been times, definitely, when I wanted to do something and I couldn't get to it. And I felt terrible by the end of the day. But if I carry that that horrible feeling into my next day that I didn't do it, it won't play up well with me. So learn to leave the thing that didn't work out that day only just wrap up the day and the next day start with a new resolution so it's okay to fail it is okay to forgive yourself and then start afresh do not go around beating yourself that you didn't do it and you can never do it the art of letting go letting go of what no longer serves us Shilpa I really would love to chat though we've mentioned a few times you know these last four years these last four years these last four years what are these last four years like let's just have a chat around and share with the audience what it looks like for you now. What are you doing? What are some of the things that you've done in these last four years? And what does it look like this year specifically? Again, that's an excellent question because it enables me also to reflect upon, I say these four years and what is it that I'm doing? So what I do is I work with the people who are in their mid-career who have gone through the same pain of mediocrity or who are going through the same pain of mediocrity. I enable them to bring themselves in alignment and be in a position when they are when they are creating these wins, not once, but one after the other, because it is about who you become in the journey. So taking them through the journey, that is what I spend my time. That is what I love. That is what my passion is. Other than that, what I love is traveling. So as a little girl coming from the mountains, I wanted to see the world. So I spend my time traveling and at the time when we had those financial that financial crunch, I visualized that I should be able to go to any part of the world to do any program because I'm a huge personal development junkie. I love doing these programs because I need to constantly take my game up to take the game up of my clients. I cannot preach what I don't practice. So but the dream that I saw was that I should be able to go to any country in the world, any place even if I want to do one day session somewhere. So I pamper myself a lot by traveling to different places for doing these personal development programs to actually see people speak on stage because we can do all this sitting at home. But I think the energy is really different when you are in the same room where there are you know, super successful people and you're getting that energy from them. You're learning there in the moment because they say one thing and the way they say it and the way the room responds to it, that feeds into you very differently. So that is something that I do quite a lot. Every two, three months I'm traveling. And then the my 
most favorite part is spending time with my family i love to spend time with my girls with my husband and over the past 4 years the way the children have started looking at me is very different i can see it in their eyes so from a caring mom the mom who who would just take care of their food and you know all their comfort and all now here's a mom who is actually living her life who is creating an impact and who is with them whenever they need and i love that feeling i love being in that form when i'm not expecting anything from them i'm not telling them to do this or that but they are watching me and they are themselves doing it so my children have gone to a different level and that's what has changed over the past 4 years coming to my partner to my most precious asset in this world it's like a marriage has gone to next level so earlier it was like people would would call us power couple but there was no meaning to it honestly they would just say because we work very well with each other you know in terms of our personal life but over the past 4 years i think we've actually we are actually working on it we've actually capitalized that difference so i'm this calm person and he's the one with electrifying energy he comes in the room and you cannot notice it and we have built on those differences together and that has taken us to a very different level of marriage so i sometimes joke and say we got married second time because now it's a different level when people work with us they have said that this is the most astonishing part this is the their favorite part because they see two people with very different energy very different personalities very different styles very different perspectives coming together making the picture complete so i actually be enjoying this process i've been savoring it's delicious you know working with my husband so in the morning we are business partners we do fight we have our uh, you know own difference of opinions and all and in the evening we go back to that couple and we are going for those little things which i always like going for little walks cooking together sitting with the girls you know so this is what i spend my time this is how my life looks complete and then whatever space is left i love to connect with my friends those friends who who are beyond those fancy drawing room conversations where we are putting our best foot forward we are going to parties but really heart to heart connections we understand each other we are bettering each other and we are holding each other's hand because i feel that irrespective of what all we have created women do need their friends in life the girlfriends the kind of conversations you have with your friends it's very different from what you have with your family with your partner so i do savor that as well and really grateful that i have got some amazing friends in life Chupa, the image that was coming to mind then, and you talked about it earlier in the episode and you tied it off beautifully then was, I wanted to bring everyone along on the ride for me, or I wanted to bring my husband along on the ride for me, like you weren't doing the ride alone. And so I sort of imagine sometimes when people chase success, first of all, the question is, what is success? You know, like that's a big question to open up, but it's really important and you have named it twice. So I want to highlight it, that we work out who we want standing there at the end with us. you know so often i see people chasing this idea of success and they get to the end and at the top of the hill with the flagpole and there is no one around them they are there all by themselves and they don't know where to go next or what to do next so what i've heard and this is why i think you can sit here today and say this is what my life looks like is you were really clear early on 
who is coming on this journey with me and how do I keep them in the forefront of my mind with the decisions I make? I'm speaking for you here, so I want you to have a comment if I've got this right or not, but this is just what I've picked up today. Like, how do I bring them along with me and how do they enjoy the journey as much as I enjoy the journey so that we can do the lows and the highs together and we can both be standing there at the end of the line or all five of us standing there, whether that be your friends, your husband, your kids, at the end being like, wow, you're all still here. Let's celebrate this. And what's next? Yes. And and you've nailed it. You've summed it up so well. Look, I've always been very conscious of the fact because as you said, when people when a person grows in the family, it is possible that somewhere their family is left behind. And I never wanted to do that. With all the space that we have for ourselves, it's not that all the time I'm spending with my family. I go out, I meet my friends, I go and have fun with people. I walk into stranger lands. I love doing that because that's something which is my side of the world. And I want to keep exploring, expanding my world. But I was always very clear that I don't want to do this alone because these are my people. These are my loved ones. And I want them to be in the same boat in which I am. They would be doing their thing. I don't want them to just, you know, focus on me, but I want them to focus on their things. And at the end of the day, we come together as a family. We're having dinner together. We are we are talking about life and we are building on each other. I was always conscious of this fact. And I always wanted it to be like that. Now, what has come out, the theme, if I say, it is about big goals, crushing big goals and tiny joys. This is how I describe myself as a person. You know, It is about big goals, but tiny joys. For those, I wouldn't do without the big goals because I have done enough of that for 46, 42 years of my life. There were no goals. But at the same time, I wouldn't do those goals without the tiny joys that I'm creating in the day-to-day life. And I think that comes together to enable me to not only think big, create big, but also enjoy the journey. You know, so how many times we talk about it, journey person. Now, I cannot be just a journey person, just enjoying and being the la-la land and everything is beautiful. Yes, everything is beautiful, but it is going towards something, you know. And I cannot just walk towards the goal madly. You know, that's why I don't call myself ferocious. I want to enjoy everything. I want to have that morning tea with my husband. I want to sit down with my daughters or lie down with them in their rooms and just look at the stars and all those things. I want to do that along the journey because that's what makes me complete. So even when I use social media for business, you will always see that there's there's a whole personality time there because I don't want to fake it ever, neither for myself nor for anybody. This is who I am. I love those small, small things. And I love those big things as well. Shilpa, we have talked about those micro moments so beautifully. Let's just, let's just for a moment shine a lens on one of those big goals that you have absolutely crushed recently that you are super proud of. So a number of goals. I would say now it is about you think of something and you know just you have to pay way for it. So this has been the life. But if I talk about, you know, what comes to my mind, I would go back a few years and I would talk about a goal where, which actually changed my thinking and which totally uplifted and told me that anything is possible. This was when, you know, when you start doing well, that what is in your mind is to get to your previous salary level. So not to forget that uh, me and my husband, we were at a very, I mean, we were getting good salaries. So what you have in mind is to get to at least the salary level. When we got to that level, there was a point where we became contented. We were like, okay, we have got there and all that. But a 
big shift came when I realized we can do so many times more, multiple times, 10 times more, 15 times more. So I would say this has been the highlight where every, I would say eight months, nine months or so, we take our life to the next level. And lastly, I mean, if I if I talk about a, uh, about a recent experience, we started a very different thing in our business, a very different format. And it just... It just took the impact that we are making to a very different level in terms of the number of people that we engage with, the results that we create, and also our finances. So we started something called this events, events, which meant that we are instead of LinkedIn, we are going on Facebook, we are we get into advertisements, we reach out to the people who don't even know us. And these complete strangers, they come and they sign up for the coaching. And it is it has been a lot of fun because it seems like a very different part of the world has opened up because earlier we were dealing with the people who are watching us for some time on LinkedIn, but now it is complete strangers. And it is a I, I would say it's a big win because creating that instant connection, that trust, and the results, it has again put us one step further in our own pursuit of personal excellence. Oh, Shilpa, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And as you said, there was a couple of moments there that you actually haven't shared with people. I feel really privileged to be in that space because I know you do share a lot on LinkedIn and on Facebook and in your coaching world. And so, you know, I just want to acknowledge that it does take courage still just to open that door to something you may not have otherwise spoken about. Like, just that first time of saying something, it's really huge. So I really just want to say thank you for for sharing with us a part of your world that you haven't opened up to people before. Thank you, Ellie. And thank you for giving me this, you know, the warmth of this conversation, this open space, the safe space where, you know, I felt like talking about it, right? So it is the space, the conversation, the depth to which you took it. I'm really grateful for that. And I love to finish every episode with asking who or what in your world truly makes you belly laugh. Truly makes my belly laugh. It's definitely my children, the four of us together. We do a lot of weird things. I mean, we call ourselves this big, crazy family who do stupid things, laugh on stupid things. We'll sit, we'll be watching a movie or we're talking about one simple thing. And that thing is not that good, but we'll fall from the sofa and we'll just, you know, laugh our head out, you know. So my family and also my friends, you know, we do crazy stuff all the time, stupid things. We act like, we are little girls again. I would say those, like, I mean, my loved ones, they are the ones who enable me to feel that real joy in terms of these laughters that feed on day on day. Thank you so much, Shilpa. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for opening your world up. And thank you for just carving out the time for my listeners. And for me, I, I loved seeing you. I love talking to you. And I know this won't be the last time we chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, Ali. What an interesting story. I just love listening to human story. Everyone's road is so different and there are so many times in our lives that if if we stopped and thought about it, we would think either we're never going to get through this, we don't know what it's going to look like, we're fearful of the future, of uncertainty, of the unknown, we feel like we're in this hole that we can't get out of, but like just looking back over the last 50, 60 episodes on challenges that change us, we have had so many scenarios of where people have been there and they have navigated their way through, around, up and out, some way into 
almost what most people would even say is even a better position or a position that they see value in or they've found a way to make that their life and one that they're happy and content with. And, you know, when we talk about contentment, I want to say you are not meant to be content all the time. We are not chasing this golden ball of joy and contentment where we don't have challenge, where we don't face adversity, where we don't have hard times, hard relationships, hard moments, fearful moments. It is in those dark moments that we can see the contrast with the love, the light, the joy, the fun, all the great moments in life. So if you're out there today and you're having a tough day, having a tough week, having a tough month, maybe a tough year, we are with you, we are beside you. And I really, really hope that just even listening to this podcast today has just perhaps given you a little bit of breath of fresh air or that little bit of support that you need. Have a great week, guys. Next week, we have Jess Patz, who's coming on to talk about her experience of living in a domestic violent relationship. And it is it is a big episode. It's an intense episode. At least I found it really intense. But oh, I took so much away, so much. So tune in next Monday and we will see you all then. Thank you everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day. I believe we can learn so much from connecting with other people's experiences and stories. I hope you've gained some strategies and insight from today's episode. You can gain more by joining our Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us, or next week we will return with another episode.